Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? So, again, in transparency, we're recording this December 24th. You'll probably be hearing this around April. So I want to introduce you to somebody I have known. And, well, we spent uh, three years of an incredible challenge getting to this point where we're at now. One of my fellow classmates who went through, who we went through thick and thin of learning to become therapists, going through the thick and thin of how educational management and funding plays itself out <laughs> to succeed to finally graduate with our degrees. And I'm sure that we all, both of us, and many of our classmates still live with a slight trauma from that experience, <laughs> but that's not everyone's experience. So I'd like you to introduce you to Miss Rhonda, Miss Rhonda Nikanik. <laughs> I was trying not to screw this up, but I still managed to do it. Mechanic? That's close enough. All right. <laughs> Hello, Rhonda. And uh, welcome, welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. It is a pleasure to be here with you. And please tell us how you got here. Good morning. It's it's also a pleasure, um, my pleasure to be here with you. I'm so excited. Everyone in my office is like, what? You're doing this thing? And I'm like, I know. But it's um, a big deal sitting here um, December 24th, looking at Yule and Christmas and solstice stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how I got here. I started off back in the day, in the 1900s, the last century, as um, someone's <laughs> wife, a lot of people's mom, and um, a nurse. And um, I am a registered nurse. I was working in the hospital arena as well as home health. And um, beside politics, one of the things that was really a challenge for me was the fact that as medical professionals, we really didn't deal in the art of healing. And so I got this wild hair. And um, was working on some personal development stuff and um, decided, hey, I can go take some classes to become more legitimate, you know, get some certifications and ended up with a master's degree. And in the middle of that, it became very apparent that I was not going to be someone's wife for much longer. I wanted mm. to do something different clinically. And so uh, the question became, do I go and get a PhD or do I get a second master's um, in uh, counseling psychology? And I chose the second master's. And let me read your bio just for those of us, because somehow I managed to skip that step. So Rhonda is a MA, LMFT, MATP, BSN, RN, PHN, that's a lot of initials, honey, <laughs> is a psychotherapist in Redding, California. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Nursing from Chico State University, a Master's of Arts in Transpersonal Psychology 
from the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology and a Master's of Arts in Counseling Psychology from Sophia University, Palo Alto. She's a certified transpersonal transpersonal transformational life coach, as well as a certified creative expression therapist. This education experience has allowed Rhonda to use therapeutic storytelling, art, and movement in public school settings with individuals and families in the private setting, as well as in the variety of trainings, workshops, and psychotherapy processes. Rhonda also teaches children, adolescents, and young adults basic mind practices with an emphasis on processing grief, trauma, and loss. Rhonda is an experienced sand play practitioner, uses EMDR techniques in her private practice. Rhonda's other areas of focus is working with families of children with autism, as well as large and small groups. So just adds to, yeah, adds to just that impressive resume you have. Sounds like I do a lot of stuff. So um, yeah. And basically what all that means is that I sit in an office full of toys and talk anime, Star Trek, Star Wars, and, you know, the basic, like the biggest argument discussion of the day is whether the Avengers or, you know, the Marvel world Mm -hmm. or the DC world is better. And of course, to be one of my clients, you must understand that DC hands down world i said it gotcha and every unit we all have our appeals to each of these universes right i admit that i'm probably much more of a marvel guy than i am dc but you know at this point there are a few other universes out there in the comic verse that i also pay attention to so i i there's some there's a beauty enjoying all the different stories out there on that you know shout out to black sam's Mm-hmm. And, which we'll probably have another podcast later discussing this whole verse thing. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, that's, that's my life. That's what um, I do most of the most of the day. I, uh, I work part time at a school for children with behavioral issues um, in the mornings. And then I do private practice in the afternoons, do a lot of trainings um, for different corporate entities as well as um, groups. So mm-hmm. that's me. That is you. And yeah, we had our experience of all the classes learning to be therapists as well. And that was something that, uh, yeah, I'm, I still have my moments of going back to that. It's like, I don't want to think about that. I just don't want to think about that. <laughs> you did great, though. You did great. I think that, you know, it is it's a world that is unlike any other. And, you know, looking back at our, our cohorts, mm-hmm. um, we were with an amazing group of people. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if we pull up all of our resumes, we're all doing these spectacular, unique, amazing things working with people. So in this world, I found my why mm-hmm. and um, I found a way to help people heal in a way that traditional Western medicine didn't allow. Mm-hmm. And so it's a different thing. So that being said, and I, this is, I think, an interesting segue because of your history as a nurse and also now as a psychotherapist. These last two years have been a major hit on everybody. How have you been handling that? You know, I think, um, great question. I think that... I, like a lot of therapists, am very fortunate 
that I uh, work in an office. I've created this office full of people um, who support each other. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, it this last two years has given all of us new and different perspectives on you know what is important and and working within the realm of of the the therapeutic relationship what i'm finding is that most of my families have mm-hmm. figured out their dysfunction mm. because being you know being in the same place all together for extended periods of time some folks you know there's a lot of things that we ignore and or mm-hmm we don't necessarily think about and or process, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, the the biggest challenge has been, am I going to be on Zoom or am I actually going to be in my office? I live in a county um, where folks are really not that excited about wearing masks. That's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Um, and, you know, the vaccination, <clears throat> excuse me, um, versus anti-vaccination, that has been a challenge, but I think the biggest challenge that I've seen is working with family dynamics. And, and what I'm noticing is that there are some real differences in how we parent. Mm-hmm. Bring it on, sister. <laughs> well, you know, I, it's, when you and I discussed, you know, pre, um, pre-podcast, like, you know, where do we want to start? Because there's so many things that that we can talk about. And that's one of the things that was mm-hmm. um, great about grad school with you is we could have these conversations and go on for days. But um, yeah, I've just, I've seen these issues with parenting and I've seen disparities in terms of race and culture mm-hmm. that actually surprised me given that um, I teach one of the things that I didn't put on the resume is I teach, I'm an adjunct professor at um, National University I teach oh. the family. <laughs> That's just well, another little shout out. Um, I do sleep a lot, actually. Um, usually, when I'm supposed to be watching a movie, don't ask. But I, um, I've noticed in teaching the family class that there is a way that we're taught in school. You know, that basic by the book. Right. To hear are the theories, and and here's how they're supposed to work. And so when we begin to speak about culture um, and and all sorts of different cultures, meaning the culture of me here in Shasta County versus where I was raised in in Santa Clara County, mm-hmm. you know, San Jose, California, 12th largest city in the nation. And yet there was, for me, more of a sense of community and family there than there is where I live now in a town mm. of less than 150. I think the the big, big thing that um, I see on a daily basis is people are not parenting. They're just, oh, Lord, mm. help these folks. Mm. There's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of boundary violation, we would call it in therapy. So one of the things I, I saw a, a little TikTok the other day and it was a it was a comedian and he was talking about you know i grew up with a black moms you know and um as did i um and you know she would come in my room and, and she'd yell at me and curse at me and you're gonna mm-hmm. do this thing and and um and i'd say okay okay mom and just get up and get it done and he had you know a, a non-person of color just you know this white kid sitting with him and he's like 
your mom shouldn't talk to you that way. This is your space. She violated your space when she came in your room. And, and, and he was like, um, uh, you know, you should go and talk to her and explain to her that, you know, you, that was a violation. And, you know, I have seen that in my therapy room. Mm. And what I'm speaking of is the differences in how we view children how we view what children need and how we execute the plan of mm-hmm. being parents. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yes, very much so. So um, I was I had an opportunity a few weeks ago have a, a little client who is uh, 13 years old, and um, they sat across the room from me. Um, and explained to me, I was asking questions and, and this kid is a little shut down, just emotionally, you know, just doesn't understand, um, the F word feelings. Mm -hmm. And, and so as they're sitting there, what came up in the conversation, they said something that was a little flippant and they said, wow, you know, that's, I'm, I'm a little shocked that you would say that to me, um, in that way. And the kid explained to me that they didn't really have any respect for me um, because I wasn't respectful to them. And I'm like, wait, what have, have I done something that, um, that showed you disrespect? And they said, no, I just don't respect any authority until they respect me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so check this out, little person. You are 13 years old and I'm well above that. For your listeners, I happen to be someone's point. Mm-hmm. So in my world, in the thing, you know, the way they used to be, you, you may not respect me as a person. You don't really know me that well. This was about session number four. Mm-hmm. However, respecting that I am an adult, respecting that I am the therapist, you know, I've got mm-hmm. a wall full of degrees mm-hmm. behind my head. And that basic respect is not being taught. Mm. So mom is sitting on the other end of the couch because of the type of session we were doing that day. And, and her reaction was, I just don't know where this comes from. And I'm looking at mom like, well, I, do you need me to tell you? I, I, I will tell you. Mm-hmm. So I think um, that there are some basic reasons as to why. And um, by, you know, children um, or a child in particular would say something like that. And um, I think it's really worth exploring. Continue, please. <laughs> this is great. I just get to sit down and talk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you knew when you asked me, oh, yeah, this is what mom is going to do. Um, so. So let's talk about it in the therapeutic sense. We we let's talk about spoken and unspoken rules that are mm-hmm. part of the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Growing up in a household of color, mm-hmm. uh, from parents who were raised in the Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. my parents were very much children are seen, not heard, and and that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the comedian. You know, his mom into the room and said, this is what you're going to do. And there's no questions asked from mm-hmm. a child whatsoever because there is a basic respect. There is a, 
an understanding, an unspoken rule that the parent and or other adults, when they say something as a child, your role is to obey. Mm-hmm. Now, when we use the word obey, then it gets kind of funny and weird. However, the respect part of that is an understanding that we as people of color, specifically of Black mm-hmm. people, were taught from minute one, again, unspoken rule, that to honor, respect is about honor for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you honor the elder. And the part of that, the deeper underneath that, is how we perceive and how we view our children. So we tend to see our children as a number one, a gift. Mm-hmm. And even though we create them, you know, scientifically we create them, they are a gift. But we have a responsibility to that gift. We have the responsibility of teaching the child in the way they must go. And so in, in that, for a child to dishonor anyone is a reflection on us as a parent, as the family as um, a whole, and the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we talk about, you know, my, my little friend, there's not that connection. So using an adage from years ago, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. And so I would never speak to an adult the way that child spoke to me. My children wouldn't. My 15-month-old granddaughter wouldn't at this point mm-hmm. because she already knows it's not about me being bigger than her or any of that. She already knows that there's an honor. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, um, I must obey the honor. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. It does. And I think the thing that also counterbalances, and this is something we had with my second episode, which is when we start out then mixing the problems of narcissism and other mental personalities or like borderline or histrionics and so forth, that sense of honor gets twisted. And then that sense of honor is what then gets some people into the therapy room saying, oh, these issues of you're not being boundaries respected without realizing that sense of honor, that sense of that responsibility, that sense of the parenting was skewed from the very beginning. Like you said, many more families are recognizing the dysfunction. Another reason we're so busy right now as a therapist is, frankly, a lot more people are now understanding what narcissism is. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes. where it's present in these family situations that are disrupting the boundaries. Yes, and then, and you know, the the... The boundary part of it, it's amazing um, talking with parents, you know, we're, we're sitting, I've had this child um, come into the room and they can have, you know, all sorts of challenges and issues. There's, and generally there's a developmental thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes there's at least once a day where I'm telling a parent, you know, your child is 14 and this is what 14 year olds do. Mm-hmm. Um, however, their anxiety or depression or ADHD or ODD, um, oppositional defiant disorder, um, mm-hmm. is interfering with that in a way that is, is causing them issues. But there's some basic, basic, what most of us would look at as basic, um, tools that are not being taught and habits. Mm-hmm. And so at least once 
once a day or so, I find myself explaining to a parent, your child needs shorts. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I just do it for them because, you know, to be honest, it just takes them so long. It's just easier to do it myself. Yes, it is. And then I explain, but you're making a really bad partner, bad mm-hmm. roommate, bad husband, wife, it, you know, COVID. down down the line. Yeah. Down the line. And it's amazing to me how often I have parents absolutely argue and fight with me. But again, that becomes a boundary issue. Because what happens is when this person goes into a situation where they are sharing space and or sharing time with others, because they haven't been taught those basic skills, Mm -hmm. they end up violating all sorts of boundaries, which causes huge disruptions to relationships and also as you said you know we start talking personality disorders i have a a couple of folks in my practice right now i call them baby borderlines they're Mm -hmm. you know they're trying to grow that personality disorder and as we go back and look at you know aside from trauma because Mm -hmm. that is a, a foundational thing if you will um a foundational phenomenon aside from that the lack of being taught certain skills and the lack of parenting have then allowed people to come up with these maladaptive or, or formulate these maladaptive ways of coping. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, teaching little Johnny, especially, you know, my kids who are on the spectrum, um, oftentimes parents are like, it's a struggle to get this kid to wash their hair or brush their teeth. And now you're telling me that I have to teach them how to take out the trash. And and to that, I generally say, you have no problem with allowing them to sit and play on their Switch or their, you know, PS5, which Mm -hmm. one wrapper in the tree right on the key or on the Xbox. Um, you know, there's no issue with that. So I, um, case in point, I have um, same client. The client feels, um, this is a kid who was a straight A student up until about October. And then of this year started, started having some issues. And what they keep telling us, meaning the adults in their life, is that there's something wrong with them. They're neurodivergent. They can't focus and they have no motivation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, well, first of all, you know, let's talk about those are symptoms in children, um, adolescents of anxiety and depression and also neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. However, here's the rub. Those symptoms seem to only come out when this kid is asked to do something. Mm-hmm. Like take all the dirty dishes out of their room. Mm-hmm. like clean the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so in speaking with the, the the child and the mom, my question to mom is if the child doesn't do the chores, it's been taken years to get mom to the point where, where she um, feels her kids need to have chores and then implementing um, a plan. But if what is the consequence if, if this kid doesn't do um, the chores? No. You know, usually um, they're they're not allowed like their phone for the evening. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, wow, that's doesn't seem like a very big consequence. 
especially when the child moves, let's talk about a 13 year old. They know that if I don't clean the bathroom, then she'll probably take my phone, but I'll get it back in the morning mm-hmm. or sometimes the same evening. Um, okay. So mom, what about, you know, if we, if we take away all of the electronics until the bathroom is clean? Mm-hmm. Well, they told me that they need the television at night because um, it's like white noise and they can't sleep. Well, then I would have an insomniac little child because, <laughs> because I'm taking away the TV. So, and there's other ways to generate white noise beyond the television. Exactly. And so, this, you know, look, we can talk all day about the manipulative powers of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about parenting, the challenge for, say, this particular mom, and this is the beauty of psychotherapy, mm-hmm. when we go into her trauma history, she is the adult child of addicts. And she was parentified mm-hmm. at a very young age. Parentified means that she was basically, she took on the role of parenting. Her mm-hmm. parents were incapable of taking care of her down to basic needs such as food and shelter. And so from a very young age, she was the person who was procuring food for her family. It was like, mm-hmm. what are we going to have for dinner? And we're asking the nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. So she made a very conscious decision. She's a teen mom. And she made a conscious decision that her children would never go through and feel the way that she did as a child. Mm -hmm. Therefore, there's very little structure. The boundaries are very loose, both the spoken and unspoken. And Mm -hmm. now with this child, we're seeing the repercussions of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're looking at a lot of one where did, where are not people thinking about the future generation or the future what's happening down the road i mean it's good to be in the moment but we don't everything does not need to be in the moment we need to be able to think multiple steps ahead and that's also one of the qualities of being an adult you can think multiple steps further down than right now a child is capable of but i think also one of the things too which you're speaking about and something i was having a conversation with my producer for this after uh, my second episode we were talking about how the drug situation happened in the 80s and people got lost in it i said yeah but can you realize how much trauma was there before the drugs entered into the situation and the drugs just took advantage of that right and that's what you're saying here with this mom who was parentified so early there also becomes a place where, yeah, in her attempt to try and have a different future for those kids, she's lost that sense of where do I need them to be when they are 25, 45. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, in the moment because I have this adult sitting and crying and upset because she feels like this horrible parent. Mm-hmm. But she also feels like, um, she she feels very, very low self-esteem and a lack of understanding. You know, I'm sure you're going to remember, it's like, I say this all the time to my clients, like first day at therapy school, they're standing there with um, one of our beloved instructors, um, Jamal, mm-hmm. and he explained, you know, Carl Rogers, there's three things that people need to be seen, heard, and understood. And, you know, I, that's how I read that. And so in that moment, 
those basic needs of being seen, heard, and understood were not happening for the mom. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if we want to go um, using using an old, old school way of explaining, the sins of the father are, are visited on the son. Mm-hmm. You know, Africans, old African tribes believe that trauma is nine generations deep. Mm-hmm. And so then my question is, with this mom, being parentified as a kid, having two parents that had addiction issues, mm. what happened to them? Mm-hmm. What traumas preceded them non-parenting her? Mm-hmm. And so that is when we go back into lineage, family tree, you know, genogram and look at, hey, this isn't something that just started with you, mm-hmm. but understand you have got to stop, drop and parent this kid in order not to continue, you know, perpetuating this dysfunction. Yeah, the generational trauma, which is where we want to start inspiring the aspect of generational healing instead. And that becomes that aspect of the parent being engaged in that. And with everything, again, happened in these last two years, it's brought a lot of attention to things, but it's also shown how many people also want to check out, too. Oh, yes, the checking out. So, um, Speaking of that, it's really interesting too. Um, you know, I, I have uh, a couple of interns here in California. The term has been changed to associates, mm-hmm. but I have um, two um, um, graduate students who completed their program and are now gathering their clinical hours um, mm-hmm. prior to um, testing for for um, licensing. For licensing, thank you, and. One of the questions that when we have a new client that's a young person, I always ask, have you met the parents? And in school, one of the things that we teach is that, you know, you, when you have a child, you, the first thing you do is you sit down and have a meeting with the parents and you find out this, that, and the other thing and what's going on with the kid. And I actually um, do not ascribe to that. I, I want to meet the child first mm-hmm. uh, and create a bond. If they're my client, that's who I want to see. First, mm-hmm. And then I'll sit down with mom and dad and listen to them complain about all the things that, you know, you don't do. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the running joke in, in terms of have you met the parent yet is I we literally have people who will roll up to our doors. A kid jumps out of the car and comes in and sits in and I have cameras. Of course, it's, it's almost 2022 and I'm watching this car drive away. And literally, I'm like, so you don't even know if the child is in the right place. Do you haven't met any of us? Mm-hmm. You have no idea, you know. And so here's the, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old who gets dropped off at this place. Luckily, there's signage on my door, mm-hmm. and, you know, in front of the building that says where the office is. But that's incredible to me. That again, you know, this the when we talk about parenting, and then and I also have the opposite. You know, we have we have parents that come in that cannot. I have one grandma in particular who really cannot understand, has a hard time wrapping her brain around the fact that I need to meet alone with the kid. Well, but this is family therapy, yes, and family therapy also there's some privacy and there's mm-hmm. some bonding things that excuse me, that need to happen. But um, yeah, I think that also given this time of 
um, everyone being together, just the shared space, reluctantly shared space. I think it's honestly, for some parents, it's like, oh my gosh, get this kid away from me for an hour. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's part of what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense to you. Oh, it does. It does. And whether it is with the family or it's just two people who are married. Yeah. There's so much that they have now having to realize about that personal boundary, that personal space, how much that generational trauma is coming up as well. And getting lost in the idea that, Oh, this person is supposed to know everything about me. I'm supposed to have this honor to them. And yet when was that honor practiced with me? How have I practiced that honor with them? So as I, as I think I've said, I think I said during classes is that nothing happens in isolation. Exactly. Nothing. All of these things are interconnected. Exactly. So I think, yeah. So I think this is a beautiful place for us to take our pause. So everyone come back and listen to the rest of what we got to hear with Miss Rhonda here on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls and Telethered. I am Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist. Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. This is Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist, speaking with you here. And I'm here with my good friend and classmate, Miss Rhonda Nick. Mechanic. <laughs> as I've also as I've said many times, I've can I have dyslexia and my neurodiversity means I screw up things like this. And it's not that I'm not trying to, but it's just this is part of what it means dealing with um having this as part of my life. It's never intentional, never trying to do it in harm. It's just that information doesn't process the same way. I get it. And it's a challenge too, looking at the brown girl with the Czechoslovakian last name. Long story. Right. <laughs> and that's for, that's for other times. So as we've been talking about the issue of parenting and the issues around what this pandemic has brought to people's intentions, and we're also both geeks and both fans of a particular show about a pers- people who travel around in a blue box. Yes, Doctor Who. And one of the things that we've noticed, especially as us therapists, have been, and I'll make frank, I've been noticing how much the doctor has complex PTSD. Huge. Huge one. 
And with the completion of this recent season, which there are those who don't particularly like a female doctor, but as far as I'm concerned, please keep going, doctor. Just keep going, doctor. We saw they've introduced some interesting story canon. And in it, after meeting this character who essentially was the doctor's first parent that we know of, it became very apparent a lot of the doctor's trauma. Not just the facts of traveling and fighting all these evil monsters and losing companions. This is the real depth of that personal trauma within them. Mm-hmm. Which, for those who are not familiar, we were introduced to the woman who basically found the doctor as a child, then discovered the doctor's abilities to regenerate, no spoilers there, and then experimented on the doctor to find out how and why the doctor was able to regenerate. And then in this most recent storyline, they're reunited. And reunited in an odd way mm-hmm. that was a reveal. Um, and it also, if one can imagine, you know, the doctor, um, and as you were talking, Discovery or Disco came up in my mind. So, Oh, I, yes. I, love that, too. I want to make a, a point about that. Just um, watched and, that last night. <laughs> and parenting. Um, mm-hmm. the, the way that we revealed was like, oh, hey, yeah, by the way, um, you were found like, uh, we're not kind of going to tell you where. And I was the one who found you. And so everything that you do and the way that you are is because of me. And the doctor has no memory of this. Mm-hmm. And so she's standing looking at this woman who basically... Um, the character of the mom has a very aloof, um, almost, for lack of a, a, another way to describe it, I know something you don't find. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, wait, hey, mom, wait, I, I have a couple of questions. And it's like, hmm, I bet you do, but that doesn't really matter because I'm the mom, you're the kid, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Which is the flip of where we started earlier today. Yes. Which in you know in in the the people of color and especially my um my family is is black and and latino um and there is again going back to the child is a gift and so mm-hmm. as the parent you honor that gift and what mm-hmm. you do with that gift is you nurture that mm-hmm. gift and so in this episode we saw that's the doctor had no nurturing mm-hmm. doctor doesn't have a whole lot of memory and that we see the doctor go. So this explains a couple of things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is what we do in therapy, right? We go backwards and say, let's start with the, you know, original trauma. So, you know, how do you feel about your family? Oh, I feel unworthy because, you know, EMDR for those of you out there who are in the, in the therapy world, you know, well, when was, when was the first time that you experienced that? When you can you come up with an image or a specific event? And the doctor basically starts the furthest back that we can go with the doctor with all the you know this is a show that's been on longer than we both been alive. Right, is the first doctor running into a room and stealing TARDIS. Mm-hmm. We kind of don't know what really happened before that. 
Mm-hmm. We've seen snippets of Gallifrey and how it was this certain world, but we don't really know why is this doctor stealing the TARDIS? We've mm-hmm. had a couple of episodes that have touched on it. So now finding out that, A, the doctor does have a at least one parent, but also that the doctor was a, was a foundling, just like... Um, um, Captain Burnham. Exactly. Burnham. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see your point now. See where I'm going. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, um, in what they call Visco, um, mm-hmm. Discovery. So I'm, I'm more, um, Star Trek than Star Wars. My, my beloved significant other, you can ask him anything about Star Wars and he knows mm-hmm. every character's backstory. And I'm like, they didn't have a backstory. It was the guy serving drinks at the bar. But somehow he knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, you know, in the Star Trek canon, um, we usually don't get an origin story um, until well into um, character the, development. the character development. And that's one of the things that I like about Discoveries. Early on, we figure out that Michael Burnham's parents, you know, are, um, they were killed, if I remember correctly. And so here she is, Black, female, human. And she mm-hmm. ends up being raised by these Vulcans. And guess who happens to be her brother? A guy named Spock. Mm-hmm. We all know for, you know, for lots of different um, reasons and years and, and different um, parts of, you know, the Star Trek canon. But here's what's really interesting is the parenting that she had. Now, now check this out for a minute. I'm about to go down another radical and not discuss the Matrix because I can't give spoilers. Um, yes, very much <laughs> so. Resurrections came out two nights ago, and I'm all over it. Did did we just geek out? I kind of love it. Um, so here we have this black female human mm-hmm. who is all about feelings, right? I mean, we all are. Yes, I use the F word, but as a human being, we are our feelings, and she goes to the ultimate Wanda's family which is don't show any emotion and don't talk about dang thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as she is growing up, we see bits and pieces of her grappling with the emotional side versus the logical side and also being different. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean about when we go back to the parenting question is there is, there are differences and it's okay to have our differences. But just understand that being raised in the household that, that that character was raised in is so much different than the household that she was born into. Mm-hmm. And the parts that we've seen of her, her actual parents, she was a gift who was nurtured. Mm-hmm. Then they disappear. And then she goes into this world that is cold. Mm-hmm. That's the word that comes up for me. Cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very so much if, so. If that makes sense. But yes, I'm, um, I think the segue for, for me right now would be to discuss one of the things that I do most of the day, and that is teaching the hero's journey. Let's go right on to the hero's <laughs> journey, because that's also a very one of the standards tropes, whether it's Star Trek or Doctor Who or Battlestar Galactica or Halo, is a hero's journey. It's there one of the most biggest standards used in any geek media. And, and so the way that I use it, you know, as, as we've touched on the, most of my clientele, um, about 75% of my practice is, um, people under 25 years of age. 
And so, you know, when an adult calls me and I have a space, I'm like, yay, I get to talk to an adult. Um, and what's really great is one that, you know, remembers before we had um, the internet. Mm-hmm. The hero's journey, um, Joseph Campbell, is basically um, the trope, the archetype that um, most of our our society in terms of storytelling is built upon. Mm-hmm. So basically there's, you know, depending on, on which direction you come from, there's 12 or 17 steps. Um, if I walk into one of my classrooms um, um, two weeks from now and I say, okay, ladies and gentlemen, tell me the first six steps of the hero's journey. I stand at the board and the children tell me, you know, first of all, there is the ordinary world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wait. Before we go there, let's understand this. Each and every one of us is an archetype and or we are um, aspiring to be an archetype. Archetype is the perfect, perfect representation of uh, character. Mm-hmm. So, or a person. So if I were to ask you, tell me the attributes of, a mother what are mm-hmm. moms like oh they're loving and they're caring and you know they they um have rules what about dads oh dads they're they're strong mm. and they're you know um so when we talk about the hero archetype then one of the things that immediately comes up is that they save people and they um they go out and they do big huge grandiose things and so what I teach in, um, in my courses and groups and in individual therapy is, no, heroism, heroism does not have to be running into the burning building. Mm-hmm. It could simply be opening the door for someone walking into Target. Mm-hmm. I had a two and a half year old and then had twins. And let me tell you. When you have two newborns and you've got a stroller and a two-year-old holding on to your purse, it's really, really a hero is the person that opens the door for me mm-hmm. walking into Lucky's mm-hmm. safely Kroger. And so when we talk hero's journey and we talk about um, the, the media that we have at our disposal right here today, um, the first six steps are extremely important. First of all, the hero starts in their ordinary world. So if we start thinking um, Spider-Man um, is the easiest, because I, mm-hmm. I think that no matter what version, haven't seen the new version, no spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. And for people getting this this podcast, um, it came out about a week ago, and I'm still a little worried about going into a theater. Um, <laughs> it's COVID, y'all. Um, mm-hmm. But... Spider-Man generally starts off, he's, you know, Peter Parker's hanging out, he's a high school student, he goes on a field trip, and these, you know, you see that he's got a friend, usually a best friend, and um, kind of a little love interest, he's got a crush, he's in his ordinary world doing his thing. And Mm -hmm. then there is a call to adventure. And that call to adventure usually is the thing that lets us know the superhero is a superhero and or um, it's part of the origin story. So we know Spider-Man gets bitten by a radioactive spider. Bam. He's hanging out and he's still in his ordinary world, but now he's got these powers and abilities and something happens that says, hey, you, you're a hero. Come and do this thing. Mm hmm. 
But what happens every single time is the hero refuses the call. And with Peter Parker, he's like, I ain't no stinking hero. I'm going to go make me some cash. I'm going to go do some wrestling. And this is, I got some abilities. I'm going to do this thing here. Then we meet the mentor. And um, in modern day stories, there there generally are are more than one mentor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also what I teach my kids, especially, is that there's more than one hero. When Mm -hmm. we watch Spider-Man, you know, well, his auntie's kind of a hero. She's holding down the fort. Mm -hmm. And his best buddy's a hero because he might be over working on the computer. You know, you watch Criminal Minds, and if it wasn't for what's-her-name back at headquarters at HQ on the computer telling them what to do, you know, you watch the Matrix and there's an operator turn right here, go up those Mm -hmm. stairs. Mm -hmm. Those are heroes as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, go ahead. Well, no, because, I mean, this gets into the interview I did with Demetrius Holt, um, cosplay, Hellspawn, Hellspawn cosplay, and we were talking about the idea of him going into the event that he was doing back in October with his team. And for those, and I have, haven't had a chance to arrange the follow-up interview with him, I know he went into that event with his team and it still worked out. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the hero is somebody who's alone in all of this is one of the biggest let's call it myths there is that the hero always has some kind of team with them or at least the operator or aunt may that is making this part of essentially the hero is going in with his village and that is one of the steps in the journey is is the hero meets the allies and mm-hmm. um, and, and and teammates but the mentor usually something happens with them mm-hmm. in the old in the old days in the 60s and 70s the hero would die Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the mentor, mentor would the, die. Sorry, the mentor would would die, which is what happened to you know Uncle Spider-Man. Ben. Uncle Ben. How does that? Why are we even talking about this? Well, first of all, let's let's go back for a minute and and talk about superpowers. And one of the things that I teach about is all of us have superpowers, but the way that I teach it is this: a lot of times, our superpowers are those abilities and skills that were either overlooked or like in my case, um, I was criticized for some of the things that I could do that other people didn't or Mm -hmm. didn't or skills I had that were developed in another way. So um, meaning I can look at a story and see things differently than, than some other folks. So, you know, I didn't care for WandaVision. I was like, that's six hours that Disney needs to give back to me. Um, (laughs) That's another discussion at some other point. But I saw the story differently than a lot of a lot of other folks did. Um, Love Loki. Mm -hmm. My point is that one of my superpowers is the ability to look at something and go, hey, what if it was turned in this other direction? And so in life. In our day-to-day existence on this planet, if we are the hero, then what is our ordinary world? And it changes. Mm -hmm. So my ordinary world starts at 6 a.m. when the alarm clock goes off. And literally, my call to adventure begins with getting myself out of the bed, making sure I get some coffee, and getting in the shower so that I can go to my first adventure, which is being the in-house therapist out of school. 
mm-hmm. then my and I don't refuse the call. Well, I do because when the alarm clock goes off, it can do. Um, it's actually my phone, and it can be a disease. That snooze button. That snooze button. And so that is a refusal of the call. And so if we look at this metaphorically, one of the reasons that I use it as a teaching tool is especially with young people, they get that. And so in terms of, you know, going back to the parenting, if I, if you are a parent and you come to me and we discuss the hero's journey, I'm asking you to nurture a little superhero. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to look at this kid and go, hey, my, my parents didn't look at me and go, we need to teach you black girl magic. No, they looked at me and said, you talk too much, so you did somebody going to pop you in your mouth. <laughs> or you're not going to be able to do this and that. Suppress that. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in a different century. Mm-hmm. And the ways of the world are different. They did see me as a, a gift but they saw me as a gift that they needed to put a lid on. And I am saying, you know, they're great people who are hanging out somewhere in their seventies waiting for me to tell them what their Christmas gifts are. Cause I'm doing subscriptions to everything. <laughs> what do I get? Masterclass. Everyone's getting masterclass. Mm-hmm. But, but aside from that, their trauma, mm-hmm. you know, my parents came from a space and place where they couldn't just go get on a bus. Mm-hmm which was a Doctor Who episode, which was actually mm-hmm. one of the great ones with, um, with the current Doctor and oh, yes. Park. Yes, it was sure. absolutely amazing. And get, a, and get the sound of the Andrew Day song for that. It's a great one to listen to. You know what? I'm going to go back and watch that today. Yes. Yes. Okay. It just clicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. When we, when we talk about our modern day storytelling, and we come from storytellers, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's how things were translated from tribe to tribe, was mm-hmm. either through the lineage story and or stories of how things happened, which mm-hmm. generally a lesson within the within the story. So at the end of every one of these episodes that we talk about, whether it's Grey's Anatomy all the way back to the Flintstones. At the end, the, mm-hmm. the um, epilogue was, here's the lesson that was learned from this thing. So when we look at ways of nurturing and helping folks in the therapeutic arena become better parents so that we can produce children and people who are um, contributing members of society, <laughs> but who are happy and healthy and feel that they have a place. Part of that is looking at them as a hero on their own journey, which may be trying to figure out that new math, Mm -hmm. which may be trying to get up on a skateboard, Mm -hmm. which may be for me getting someplace on my video game because, you know, I'm a Tomb Raider Mm -hmm. freak. So got to finish that last boss. And I'm just like, Mm -hmm. it takes a long time to get how the weapons work. Mm -hmm. But if we look at it in that context, when I talk to that mom about their kid and their respect Mm -hmm. and what I can do and what I can help bring to them is an awareness and understanding that I don't just watch Doctor Who because I like, you know, the music and the colors and I like Mm -hmm. the little blue box. What I like about it is that this hero is on their journey and the person telling me the story gets that I need complexity, but I also need some basics. Mm-hmm. 
that make sense? Did I wrap it around? I think I did. You did. And I, uh, I aspire that hopefully that all the listeners of this program also enjoy both that complexity and that simple basics as well. Yeah. So we're going to need to start wrapping up. And I'm, one of the interesting things and we always talk about here on this program is myths and realities. And you've mentioned several times over this is something about feelings. So what is this myth that you're, we've got it going around around feelings? The myth that I see is that people think they're going to come to therapy and talk about their feelings. And so um, I have fun with that. We, um, we don't talk about the F word unless we need to. One of the mm-hmm. things that I learned early on in, in this profession, and especially with, with men, with males, um, is as soon as you ask, as soon as I ask, how do you feel about that? There's a certain amount of shutdown because now the person feels as though they need to perform. Mm-hmm. And we get performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned, um, I just, probably right after we came out of school is I tend to ask people how they experience that, what it was like, or what it is like for them. Mm-hmm. The myth is that you're going to come in and I'm going to say, you know, tell me how, how your mother made, made you feel about that. And tell me how you're feeling right now. And it doesn't you generally work that way. So I think oftentimes new clients are very surprised when they come in and we just have a conversation, my space is set up in a way it literally looks like a family room. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I have a sectional couch and a big, huge um, reclining chair that swallows people up and then all my, my sand play stuff. But especially for children, I, I, I like it to feel as though they're going to their, their Auntie Rhonda's house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see Miss Rhonda. And we're going to hang out. And so we may end up, last night, I had a client where we literally talked about, of course, the differences between DC and Marvel and, and why people didn't under, understand or may not understand the two movies that were released this week, no spoilers, um, mm-hmm. and, and how people miss the storyteller's intentions. Mm-hmm. And so if someone had just walked into the room and it's like, well, this is a client who has OCD and is feeling very anxious. Yes. However, in talking about the being misunderstood or misunderstanding stories, where we got to was that most of his life, he was not heard, felt, felt not heard by mm-hmm. his family and felt very misunderstood, which in turn helps us deal with that anxiety and what it brings up for him and how he responds to it. So mm-hmm. the myth being, oh, I'm going to come in and, and you're just going to ask me how I feel about this or that. You're going to tell me what to do. Actually, no. For for us um, in um, my my company name is um, Transformative Therapy Project. And at Transformative Therapy, what we look at is you did have this trauma and you got mm-hmm. some feelings and there's some behaviors behind that. Cool. We're not going to sit and talk about the trauma all day long. Hey, what we're talking about is here and now. Right now, this moment, the behavior that you exhibit from those feelings, how is it affecting you in Mm -hmm. a way that's positive or negative? Is it something you like, dislike, and we move from there? doesn't mean that we we never talk about feelings. 
but they end up coming out without this big spotlight. You know, it's not an interrogation from Dragnet. Mm-hmm. And so I think the myth is that, oh, I'm going to go to therapy and I have to talk about my feelings. Nah, because it comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hope you have enjoyed this experience here on the podcast. I have. And we're definitely have to have another, we're going to have to do another part two. Definitely. Definitely. I hope this um, makes sense for people. I know we, we circled the wagon a couple of times, but there's a lot here and there's a lot to unpack. And so um, precisely, I appreciate you allowing me to at least, at least peel some of the wrapping paper. <laughs> definitely. Most definitely. So where can folks find you if they want to check in and hear more? If you want to check in and hear more, we're actually building the, the business side um, at this point. But the easiest way to find me is to send me an email mm-hmm. at Rhonda with an H, Rhonda Therapy at gmail.com. I am also on Psychology Today, which at this point is the only advertising I'm doing because I'm about to release some products. As mm-hmm. I release them, you will hear more. Definitely. And um, hopefully I'll be able to come and visit again. Oh, definitely. On Psychology Day, it's Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, and Nikanaki, which is mechanic with an N and a K-Y. And it's Nancy, E-C-H-A-N-I-C-K-Y. And if you just shoot me um, an email and just say, hey, Rhonda, we're on the podcast. We'd love to connect. Then I will get back to you. Phone calls, not so much. Email every time Alrighty then so thank you once more for coming here and chatting and giving us a chance to catch up and geek out <laughs> and i hope you enjoy the rest of this uh holiday break we got going on even though for those of you listening now we're going to be hearing this in april so enjoy the april fool's day and perhaps the spring break you're on and i know we're all rushing to try and get to the that summer vacation just hang in there so this has been Miss Rhonda Nakaniki and Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist on Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered on the Voice America Network. Look forward to talking with you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 